Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am pleased to welcome my guest in studio, Lauren Debick, host of the amazing Graceful Confidence Podcast. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you for doing this. It's been a while since I've had an opportunity to interview somebody in person, so this is nice. I always find the conversations to be a little bit more organic when you're when you're sitting across from somebody, so, so thanks for being here. The reason I wanted to have you on is... You know, we've known each other for a little while now, and I it, it just sort of came to my attention a couple months ago that you're doing a podcast, and I immediately was just curious, you know, what it's like to start a podcast in 2021, because I've been doing this for for over eight years now, and I went through so many pitfalls and so many challenges for a while. There, I like to say that for like for the first five years that I did my podcast, I spent the first five minutes explaining what a podcast was. Now they have become the dominant form of media, not just in this country, but in the world. So the first question I have for you, Lauren, is not why did you decide to start a podcast, is when did podcasting or podcasts come on your radar? Podcasting came on my radar probably a few years ago, far before I actually started a podcast. And I think that's important to note because with any any endeavor, I think people look at the final product and they're like, oh, look at them. They're successful overnight. And that is not the case at all. It takes years to build things up. At least it did, it did for me. It was not an overnight, hey, I woke up one morning and I said, I'm going to start a podcast today. It was something that I had thought about. I was doing a lot of writing prior to that. So I had several different blogs going on. And my background is in communications and radio. So I I thought, hey, it would be really cool if I kind of integrated these two passions that I love so much together. But again, it took some planning and took some time a few years before it actually the first episode got released. I can completely understand that. Because I discovered podcasts in 2011. And I was pretty convinced that I was going to do one. I was like, yep, I'm definitely going to do a show. I'm definitely going to do a podcast. It was about two years from that decision to, to when I actually implemented. And what's interesting for me, in my case was, you know, there wasn't an abundance of resources out there. Uh, when you want to start a podcast, I don't even know if the idiot's guide to podcasting had been published or podcasting for dummies had been published, but I just knew this was something that I wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to frame my podcast around movies. That was something that I was really big on. So, and we'll talk a little bit more about my journey. You had thought about doing a podcast. You were aware of what podcasts were. You had talked about, you know, you have, you're a writer, you did blogs. When did you implement the decision? And when did you say, okay, I'm going to do this? And what was the first step for you? So the first step was planning. And I love whiteboards and chalkboards. And to, to back it up just a little bit, there were a lot of things going on that led me to this point of I want I want to do some type of creative project. Like I wasn't getting that that cup overfloweth from other parts of my life. And I knew the topic of my blog. I knew helping other people was important to me. So coming to this point of, okay, I'm going to do something that I have experience in that I really enjoyed, which was working with radio and podcasting and just audio software in general with some of these passions that really lit me up. The first step was planning. So I had months planned out on a board. I had topics. I had all of these different things. Fast forward, 
that is not my process now. And we can get into that later. But the first step really was just kind of laying everything out about what I wanted to talk about, because that's important. You said yours was movies. Mine was helping people give them tools and tactics to take control of their life, to make every day that they wake up the best day of their life and exciting and feeling empowered about it. So planning first step, topics, different high level things. The next step was how the heck am I going to do this? So when I worked in radio, and that was almost 12 years ago up north, we had the studio, we had, you know, top notch equipment, I had to figure out how the heck am I going to replicate this. And I found and I still use very, very, very basic equipment and software, but it works for me. And I love it. So The software editing program that I use is Audacity, which is a free software download for Macs or Windows. I think it's fantastic. It's very, very basic, but it works. And then I use my Blue Snowball microphone and my husband, God bless him, he was so excited and got me a new mic and new set for Christmas. And it just does not work as well as my Blue Snowball, which has broken at this point. So I have to like clip it to next to me when I'm recording. It is the saddest looking thing ever, but it works really well. The audio is good on that. Uh, I want to I want to touch on that. Uh, that to this day, I still use Audacity. That was it's the. Great. It, it, it's a really good open source software, and by open source, I mean that it, it does continuously get updated with new features and new functions. I will say though, you know. For anyone that's considering starting a podcast, I, I do recommend Audacity. But at the same time, I would also recommend uh, going on YouTube and, and picking up some tutorials because it is not. I would say it's not user friendly if you don't know what you're doing. So, but, but again, YouTube is an amazing re- resource for Audacity. And I think it does some really good things. I think it's got some really good features. Uh, so much so that, you know, I've explored using, you know, Adobe products and, and, and other ones. But I'm so, after eight years, I'm so like finely tuned with how to do compression and leveling, leveling and normalizing audio and, and taking out background noise that it's so, just muscle memory for me now that I, I would be hard pressed to switch to one of these more like three, $400 pieces of editing software. Absolutely. And you're you're absolutely right. I had background training and audio production, which I didn't know I was going to enjoy it as much as I did, but I, I really did. And that was one of my most favorite classes in undergrad. So if you don't have that training or experience, it would be very helpful to check out a YouTube video to learn how to how to do some of those basic features. And just just the basic stuff, because right. I, I want to tell you, again, this is where I'm going to just put myself out there. All right. Those that first year, year and a half of me doing the podcast, I was so concerned with getting content out that I was sort of neglecting the uh, the, the how do you say sort of the quality aspect of it. It was more like get it out, get it out, get it out to the world, let people listen to it. So those first 10 or so episodes that I've done, they've been lost to the sands of time. I can't even <laughs> listen to them. And neither could you because the audio was so quiet on those ones that it just didn't make a, you know, I didn't know. I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned so much through trial and sure. error. And that was, um, that was the thing. So I love the topic that you, you decided to go with, you know, helping other people. I think that's just an amazing thing. And, and in this day and age, we need that more than ever. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. So take me through, you know, you, the whiteboard, the chalkboard, the planning, the months of planning. You know, take me through that very first episode, the recording of that episode. 
How long did that take? Absolutely. I would love to tell you that it was pristine and perfect and everything was planned out to a T. Here's the reality. I had set up a she shed for myself, so I spent months decorating it. I'm very much about my environment and my atmosphere. So before I start creative projects, I need my space to be the way I need it to be. So I had spent, in addition to the planning and the whiteboards, a month or two clearing out our garage area to create this sanctuary for myself with my desk, my motivational quotes, all my things that brought me joy. So that first morning, and I'm a morning person, so I was planning on recording early in the morning before everyone got up and just the hustle and bustle of the day happened. So first morning, 5.30, sitting there, got all my equipment. I'm ready to go in my she shed. I hit record. Our freaking air conditioner comes on in the background and it's background noise the entire time and you cannot hear anything in that podcast. So I just, I, I went through with it. I'm like, I'm here. I'm dedicated. Note for next time. Do not record in this space. So that was kind of disheartening to know that all that time and energy I put into creating this sanctuary for myself just didn't work out. Not that, not that go around. But that's <laughs> not our, that go around. Not that go around. <laughs> a, a fun, fun little story here, just to make you understand. Like we all in the podcasting game have made uh, had situations happen to us. I had Leah Thompson on the show about five years ago. And I was so excited to talk to her. And we were doing this over Skype. And uh, just a huge fan of her work. I mean, my God, she's Lorraine McFly. I love her. I was so excited that when we uh, that we did this great hour and a half long interview, but I had forgotten to hit record. <laughs> That's a real thing that happened to me. So we're, we, we, these things happen. It happens. These, these things happen. So, so that first day was kind of a no-go. Take me through... I used it though. If you go back okay. and listen to yeah. that first, don't. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. It's well, not and great. I do want. I do want to <laughs> emphasize that there's there's a link in this episode's show notes to your podcast. So Perfect. you know, uh, you're that- you're telling people don't start with episode one. <laughs> that very okay. first one about developing confidence. Um, but it goes along with my topic, and yeah. the whole thing is it's not going to be perfect. And if you're waiting for perfection, you're just not going to get there. So move forward, learn from it, build upon it. So I learned from that first episode. Um, The next one, I started recording inside, indoors, and I scheduled my time where it was quiet. And I had planned things out. And I had gotten away from this. I first started scripting everything out because, because of my background in production, radio, all of these different pieces, uh, writing. I was scripting everything out, but I figured out that it wasn't coming out natural. So I started doing bullet points and high-level topics. So that's how I kind of graduated to that next episode. The setting was not exactly ideal for me, but it, it worked and got, got the job done as far as quality goes. So I didn't want to just push things out without it being that piece of quality that people would actually want to listen to and could actually hear. Because we've listened to shows where you can't hear anything, and that's I mean, what's the point? <laughs> exactly. Did you have a uh, uh, an episode length in mind? Did you have a rough idea of how long you wanted each of your episodes to be? I aim for, or I aimed for about an hour. Realistically, that has pulled back a little bit yeah. since I've started. I also aimed for doing one every week. I learned that that was just not realistic with with my time schedule. And you learn as you go. So instead of trying to just churn things out that weren't good, I wanted to take the time to make sure what I was doing was actually valuable for myself and the listeners as well. Okay. All right. Excellent. So uh, we're going to get a little technical sure. here just for a moment. Um, for those that are thinking about starting a podcast, the uh, at least the way it was when I started is you would, I, I would record an episode 
I would then go into post-production where I would edit it, add music, do everything that needed to be done. And then I would have a finished MP3 file. Mm -hmm. So how do I get that MP3 file out to the world? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there were kind of some tricky ways to do it with like a WordPress blog and things like that. But I opted to go with a a podcast hosting service, Mm -hmm. which is basically, you know, it was $20 a month. You upload your episode. They then distribute that via RSS feed to all, well, back then it was just, it was just iTunes. I think iTunes and yeah, Google hadn't even gone into the game. Amazon, I mean, Spotify wasn't a thing yet. It's been great to use them, you know, and, and that's kind of what you had to do. So my question is, in your research, did you go with a podcast hosting service? And I, which service did you go with? I did, and I go with Podbean, yeah. and I believe it's about $15 a month, very similar to what you you described. Super easy to use. You upload your MP3 episode. You can give it your show notes, your yep. links, your, your photos, whatever, and then through the RSS feed, it does link to Spotify, iTunes, Google. Now, it did take me some time, and what I didn't take into consideration when I started with this hosting site was I thought, oh, it'll just show up on all of these places. Well, you need to have so many episodes for certain podcast streaming sites and you need to have these things validated. So, and that takes time and it's something that automatically happens, but Google took a while for it to get get up there. For me, when I, I remember the the moment, because back then, this was 2013. So back then you had created the RSS feed and then you still had to manually submit it to the different podcast hosting services. So I had to manually submit it to, to Apple. Remember, Apple was king back then. That was, I mean, podcast, mm-hmm. iPod. I mean, that's where the name comes from. And I remember submitting my show to Apple and it took three days. And those were the three of the longest days. And I only had like two episodes. And I got the email. Congratulations, you're now on Apple Podcasts. I couldn't believe it. It's different now, right? Lipson right. automatically, uh, not Lipson, excuse me, Podbean. All these services now do Correct. it automatically. They ask you, uh, on yours, does it ask you which ones you... Correct, yes. It gives you yeah. like drop-down options yeah. and then you put like enable for yeah. the ones that you want. Some of them do have to validate. So I like like I said, I think the Google one had to validate for a little bit longer and Pandora Podcast as well. So that yeah. took a little bit longer for them to validate on their end. And then it was a few weeks before I got that email email that said, congratulations, the Graceful Confidence podcast is now available on Pandora. I was like, ah. It's a good, it's a good <laughs> it's feeling. It's an amazing it's an, feeling. It's an amazing <laughs> feeling. It's, 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 I remember, I just couldn't believe it. It was 2013 and here I am. I'm on iTunes. It's amazing. I'm available around the world. Yes. But nobody was listening when I first started there. <laughs> but I was, I, but, I, but it was amazing just the, the, the feeling you got. Like, sure. th- just that, I couldn't believe it. So you've released a couple episodes. You're on you like you said Spotify you're on Apple correct right? you're on you're all mm-hmm. you're, you're on all the big podcasting apps yes. right now you're sharing this with your friends and family right yes like this is this is a big deal yes all right so can you take me through the first time a complete stranger reached out to you yes and and, and what that feeling was like absolutely and it really kind of shifted the direction of the podcast as a whole for for the better I had a PR firm out of LA reach out to me oh. and they wanted to pitch some of their clients that they were working with and it was in complete alignment with what the podcast theme was on so when that uh that PR firm reached out to me, I was ecstatic. And at first I'm like, is this even real? Like I had to question it and like do my research because, you know, there's so much email and spam that comes through, but it was legit. And I had, from that point forward, I had um, the 
owner and founder of the PR firm on as a guest and then several of their clients so far on as guests. And I also learned through that process, so having that you know stranger reach out to me, I really thrived in the interview, interviewee setting as opposed to me just talking about certain topics. Let's talk about the interview aspect of that because the first few episodes, it was just you. Correct. And that's difficult. It's hard. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. When I started the podcast, I had co-hosts. Like I, I could, I couldn't imagine doing it by myself. What do you mean you're going to just talk into a microphone? Come to find out that you do sort of create this really nice relationship with the listeners. The listeners feel like they're, you're talking directly to them, and it's one thing to have a co-host, but when you're going to interview complete strangers. That can be a little nerve wracking. So take me through the first interview that you conducted with somebody that you didn't know. And how did how do you feel like that episode went? Yes. Yeah, so the first interview with someone that I that I did not personally know was um, Lauren Salon, who is the owner and founder of this PR firm out of Los Angeles. And it was actually the weekend I was getting married is when we scheduled this interview. So I remember talking to my family. I'm like, I need to to have an hour, two hours to myself so I can have this interview. <laughs> and it, everyone was super understanding. I, I'm so grateful for my family and my support system. They're like, if Lauren is doing a project, you know, we're going to get behind her 150%. But yes, I was not in my home. I was not in my setting. I was out in this location where, where we were getting married and interviewing a complete stranger. And it was very, very nerve wracking. I was very, very nervous. So Lauren, if you're listening, thank you so much for being a good sport and for connecting and telling your story. But it built, it taught me a lot about the interviewing process in general, because another piece of this was how do I do a good quality podcast virtually with someone? And I'm still exploring different ways to do that. So right now, all of the virtual interviews that I'm doing are done via Zoom. And then I take the audio from that, which seems to be working well. But if you have suggestions, I'd be happy to hear them. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. And, and of course, you know, the past year and a half has really opened the door for Zoom. That Zoom has become just an incredible uh, resource and tool. And I have done several, several interviews over Zoom. It's not the same as being in person. There are definitely more challenges associated with it. The one thing that I've learned as far as doing interviews with Zoom is kind of like what we've been doing here is, you know, we're, we're not ever talking over each other. We're not interrupting each other because that just is a complete nightmare when you do it on Zoom. It will cancel out the audios, as, as you know. So I, I'm still in that process with you. I'm still learning how to properly do that. I will let you know. I'll update you if I, if I learn any tricks of the trade. But uh, I will say this, Zoom versus Skype, I'll take Zoom every day of the week. 100% because like you said, Zoom you automatically records the audio that, that you did and it does it in separate tracks and it's brilliant. So uh, I know we're still in a, a time period where face-to-face -face are, are, are rare, especially interviewing complete strangers. So Zoom is definitely a very good tool. So you touched on the fact that the amazing work you're doing with your podcast because you're, you are helping people. I'm just talking about movies and, that you know, helps people. Oh, you're right. You're right. But, but you're actually doing really like really good stuff here. And, and you're, this is not your day job. That's correct. You know, this is, you were talking to me before we started recording and you said that, you know, you were trying to find that creative outlet. You weren't feeling fulfilled with the job, the previous job you had. Now you have a new job, which ha comes with a lot of responsibilities. It's very, very time consuming. So my question is, podcast is not going anywhere. Correct. But it's, you're not 
able to put it out as much as you'd like? Is that kind of where we're at right now? I think so. And like I said before, I started out with the goal of doing a weekly mm-hmm. episode and I pulled back to do monthly. And at this point, I'm doing a monthly public episode, but then I also have a Patreon account. So I do a bonus episode. So two episodes a month. And that's manageable for me. Getting back to the quality and content and value, I want to make sure what I'm putting out is good for the listeners and good for me and not to a point where I'm feeling rushed and just throwing something together because not that's not the product that I want to create. So two a month. And that's that's a happy place for me. That, but that's good. Um, that's good. And, and it's it's something you're doing on a consistent basis. And that's good. I mean, the listeners of this show know that I haven't put out an episode in a while because things have just been very chaotic in my life, but that's okay. Lauren, let me ask you this. What is your relationship with YouTube? Do you have anything going on with YouTube? Have you thought about YouTube at all? What's your thoughts on YouTube? I've done a few videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I have a channel up there done a few video interview podcasts and I would like to explore that more. I am someone who real time, I tend to get a little bit flustered sometimes. So I like the idea of pre-recording like that honestly is much more appealing to me than a real time YouTube or live stream of something, even though I know that there's value in it. So I'm not saying it's off the table, but just not something that I'm super comfortable with yet. But who knows, that could be another opportunity for me to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's something you feel like you've learned about podcasting now that you are a podcaster? That people recognize when you have a podcast and that's exciting. And we were just talking about numbers and analytics before the numbers really don't matter to me if I can help one person and you shared a really awesome message with me if one person reaches out to me and says hey I heard what you said and this is something I did to make this positive change in my life that that's just huge and the difference between podcast and writing I think is I can reach more people than with some of the other things that I was doing so that's something that's just really really exciting to me no, this has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing this this journey that you're on. Like, I just absolutely, when it came to my attention that you were doing a show, number one, I always want to say, like, when I started my podcast here, we live in the same city. Correct. Okay. And I, I'm, I don't know if I hold the distinction of the first person to do a podcast in this town, but I certainly don't know anyone else that was doing one back when I did one. And I wish there was other people at that time because I would have reached out to them. There's, there's, there's a connection you, you create with fellow podcasters because there's a certain journey that we all go on that we all understand. And, you know, we were talking about it off air about, you know, helping people. And if anyone's listening to the show thinking right now, I, I really do want to start a podcast. You can always reach out to me. I'm sure we, you can reach out to Lauren. Me you too. Know, you know, Lauren, you, know, you have ways to contact Lauren are in this episode's show notes. So I'm always happy to help. And I'm always happy to tell somebody like, this is, this is what you do. Now, that being said, what advice would you have for somebody that's thinking about starting a podcast? The advice I would have is get a plan in place. But don't be married to that plan, meaning be flexible because things will change. Guests may come into your life. Topics may come into your life. You may go through changes that kind of change the direction of your podcast. So get a general concept in mind because I do think it's important to have a niche. It's important to have an overall theme of your podcast, but it's also very important to keep that flexibility fluid. And I I agree with everything you said there, because uh, even I know from just my experiences, the the evolution that my show went through, hell, it went through a name change three years ago. 
So, like, I had somebody the other day reach out to me and say, I'm going to record 10 episodes before I launch. And I told them, that's ambitious, but I also don't know if I agree with that because, like, I could now record 10 episodes to release if I had, you know, had to take a few months off and I had to just, you know, grind it out and do 10 episodes in seven days. I, I could do that now because I feel comfortable enough that I, I know the type of show that I'm trying to put out. But if anyone's just starting, I would probably advise against recording 10 episodes at once because you're going to you're going to change. Things are going to change. Like you said, it's going to naturally evolve because like any skill, you're going to get better at it the more you do it. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Uh, so I would always advise against that. Your thoughts on recording 10 episodes in the beginning. And to add on that, my 2.0 version of advice would be just get started. Yeah. If you're thinking about it, just get started. You heard my story, Dana's story about the beginnings and uh, foundation of our podcast. They weren't perfect. They're still not perfect, but we're learning as we move forward. And a big piece of what I, I work with people on is if you're waiting for that perfect moment, it's just never going to come. Yeah. So take that step, get started. Both of us would be happy to advise anyone or share more information about our experiences. Absolutely. And there are a couple other things I want to add to that. Never be satisfied. That's always been a, a big thing for me. I, I don't know where this is going, this whole journey I've been on. I don't feel like I've made it yet. I'm always going to try to do better, and I'm never going to be satisfied. And the other piece of advice I would give to somebody who's just starting a podcast, and this is important. If you're struggling to figure out what type of podcast you want to do, I think one of the most important questions you need to ask yourself is, would I be a listener of my own podcast. And if you don't know the answer to it, that's not the topic you need to be doing. Like that was the thing. Like people are always like, Dana, why did you pick movies? Well, it's something I'm absolutely passionate about. I mean, my entire life it's, and I've been lucky through the show to get an opportunity to talk to a lot of these people that I grew up admiring, but it was a no brainer for me. Like movies, that's what I want to talk about. So make sure that you would be a fan of your own show. That's a big one for me. That's a good piece of advice. So, Lauren, this show is about movies. And I did give you a little bit of homework prior to us meeting today. So uh, I'm always curious. I'm forever curious about everything. But when it comes to movies, I always find it's a, a good way to get to know somebody is, is to, what kind of movies do they like? All right. And I'm a fan of all genres of film. So I'm not one of these people that I'm like, oh, <laughs> can't believe you like that movie. I I think people find joy in every type of movie. So with that being said, I asked you to pick out five movies that mean something to you. And I just wanted to, I told you not to tell me what they are. Mm -hmm. We're going to hear this on the air right now. So tell me about the, tell me about the movies that you, you selected. I'm almost a little embarrassed because of how well-versed you are in movies, but these, these are authentic. My top five choices. Love it. So number one, The Rescuers Down Under. The Rescuers Down Under. Okay, so I am I'm going to just briefly comment on each one of these. The Rescuers Down Under. I I want to say I saw that in the theater. Did that movie come out in the 80s? Late 80s, yes. Late, late 80s, and it's yes. a cartoon. It is a cartoon. It's a Disney movie. I remember that. I don't remember much about it, but what an, what an interesting choice for your first pick. The Rescue Tell why that movie? 
So the movie, just high-level premise, is about this Australian boy who gets kidnapped by McLeach. And there's also a golden eagle that is kidnapped. And the two mice, the rescuers, go to free this boy. And then he, in turn, goes to free this eagle. I was so obsessed with, with this movie when I was younger. So the character's name is Cody, but I was maybe two, three years old. So I insisted everyone called me Toadie for at least three years. And actually, for like my third birthday, they made a cake of me and this character like saving this eagle so i'm gonna transition into my second most influential movie and you'll see a theme for the like these first two foundational movies in my life um the second one was free willy okay interesting interesting and free willy was also about an animal that was being saved so from a very young age i had these influential movies where i felt this pull to help things that could not help themselves when they were harmed by by things out of their control. I, I see where this is going, by the way, and you you really have without even hearing the, the 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 other three movies, like you've really parlayed that into what you're doing today, and I think that's exceptional. So, Free Willy, uh, I did see that one in the theater. Uh, I always think of that amazing Michael Jackson song. That is part of that Hold soundtrack. Me yes, like the oh, it's great. It's great. I it's had that cassette, amazing soundtrack. And, and and I will say this, and I'm one of these people that always complains that that the trailers spoil everything. Okay, and the most epic shot in that movie is in is in the trailer, and boy, they don't need to have that in there. They really don't. Um, that was a real orca in that film. Now they did have an animatronic as well, but that, that was a real orca. And I have to ask, did you ever watch any of the sequels? Cause I saw the first free Willy. I didn't see any of them beyond that. I did watch the, the sequels. They, they did. Well, the one where Jesse was a little bit older living in Washington or Oregon had an impact on me, but that first one, I mean, I was at that de- developmental age, so I was really taking in everything around me. I mean, I remember having the picture book and watching the movie, and me and my brother would fight over what movie to watch. He wanted Dumbo. I wanted Free Willy. We still struggle about these two things. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, good, good. All right, so what's number three on your influential movies? So number three is Stand By Me. Stand, okay. I know this movie very, very well. All right. This is uh, directed by Rob Reiner. Based on the not well, the uh, short story "The Body" by Stephen King, released in 1986, and uh, stars River Phoenix, mm-hmm. Will Wheaton, mm-hmm. Jerry uh, O'Connell, Jerry O'Connell, and, and Corey, Feldman. Corey Feldman, and a very very scary Kiefer Sutherland. Very scary Kiefer. Very Sutherland. scary Kiefer Sutherland. By the way, can I just say Rob Reiner? He directed this film. You want to talk about the run that he had? Talk. Look at this for a second. This is in order. Okay. Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. Boom, 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 boom. You want to talk about a run. I mean, that's an incredible run. And it all came crashing down with 1994's North. And he never fully recovered from that. I loved that movie, but it did not make my top five. It did not make your top five. Okay. But but just to circle back to Stand By Me, that movie, I really identify with it. I was, I think I was eight years old when that film came out. So I was a little younger than the characters, but I lived in a small town in Nova Scotia. And we spent the majority of our time out in the woods. I mean, this was pre-internet days. So I identified it. I did see it when it came out. I appreciated it a hell of a lot more when I was, you know, my 20s and 30s. But what is it about that film that really resonates with you? There's a few different things. So my Nana actually introduced me to that film at a, at a significantly young age. And 
watching that film, first of all, it exposed me to, I did not grow up in a small town. So it's, it exposed me to music, like the sounds of, of the fifties or sixties or whenever, I think it was fifties, right? Fifties. Uh, it was the fifties, right. I, I believe. So it, so it exposed me to music of the fifties, the camaraderie between those friends really, really, really spoke to me. And it also introduced me to Stephen King, who I love his books. I am not a horror movie person in any way, shape or form, but I will read a Stephen King book like there's no tomorrow. So it introduced me to so many different concepts that I wasn't familiar with. That's awesome. And it's an amazing film. And having Richard Dreyfus do the narration, and I'm not going to spoil it because I know that there are, gosh, there's a generation after us. There's a generation that's that's come after us that haven't, you know, they don't know movies be, be before the year 2000. So I don't want to spoil it. But I get very teary eyed at the end of Stand By Me. And and it's just, and a lot of it has to do with Richard Dreyfus narration. And uh, I mean, River Phoenix, you know, may he rest in peace. We think about what he could have been what he could have become. He was already an amazing actor. Like he's like, I love everyone in that movie, but he clearly is the standout in that film for, for obvious reasons. And of course they're the pie eating scene. It's, it's the best. It's the best. Lord ass. It's, the, it's best. the best. It's the best. All of it is just, it's you, amazing. You mentioned Stephen King books. I like Stephen King. I mean, I'll obviously respect Stephen King. I'm not the, uh, the constant reader, if you will. I think that's a reverse to his, his, his people that like his books. I've read some of him. Uh, I just finished reading Mr. Mercedes, which I thought was was really good. I understand there's a miniseries, a TV miniseries on that, which I have not seen. And then there's a couple of his, uh, when he wrote under the pseudonym of Richard Bachman, uh, The Long Walk, I think is an incredible story. Uh, obviously, The Running Man, he did. And Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Those are those are ones that I've read. And my favorite Stephen King book is Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. I have never been at a place in my life when I finished a book was sorely disappointed that there was not more to ingest. It was phenomenal, and I know there was a miniseries, and I watched it. The book, just by comparison, was unbelievable. Okay, so remind me. Put up. I'm writing this down real quick. Because I'm going to ask you off the air because I don't want it to be spoiled. But I, I have a question about that story that I just got to know. I have to know. The premise of that book, If now feel free to correct me if I'm wrong because I have not read it. But the premise of the book is that a character has the ability to go back to the day that Kennedy was assassinated and has an opportunity to prevent the assassination. Is that That's the basic premise of the correct. book. Yes. It involves time travel, yes. the whole nine. Yes. I definitely have some questions. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on those when we're done recording. Great pick. Stand by me. All right. What's next? All right. So you mentioned North. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite actors to this day is Elijah Wood. Okay. Love Elijah Wood. But the movie that made its way into my top five is Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, this movie came out and I had read The Hobbit and I had read the books pre- prior to the the movies coming out. But this movie came out when my parents were going through a divorce. And it was a very, 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 very difficult time for me and my family. And this was the movie that kind of bonded me, my mom, and my brother. And again, going back to that camaraderie and your friends, like the support system that I felt around me during the time this movie came out was 
unbelievable. And like some of those people are still some of my best friends. So anytime I'm having like my mom will still text me and she's like, do you need an LOTR day? Like she knows that is my movie. If I need if I'm feeling down, if I need some grilled cheese and tomato soup, that is the movie I'm going to be watching. Interesting. Interesting. Lord of the Rings. So that is 2001, Mm -hmm. I believe. Okay. So there's always a fun little through line I like to mention when we're talking about Lord of the Rings. Did you know that if it's not, if not for Freddy Krueger, there would not be the Lord of the Rings movies as we know it? Go on. Okay. So New Line Cinema in the early 80s was a fledgling distribution company. All right. They had done a couple horror movies, but mainly they just distributed them. And the owner of New Line Cinema was a gentleman by the name of Robert Shea. We call him Bob Shea. And he met with a filmmaker by the name of Wes Craven who pitched him on this idea for a, a script that, or pitched him this script that he had called A Nightmare on Elm Street, which every studio in the city had turned down. And Bob Shea believed so much in this script that he said, all right, look, I can get you maybe a million dollars to make this movie. And Wes Craven, they made they, they made the film, but they ran out of money. And Bob Shea sort of leveraged the company and bet on A Nightmare on Elm Street. And the film went on to make $25 million. And it saved New Line. And they ended up making subsequent sequels. They made you know parts two, three, four, five, six, whatever. But they, every one of them was successful. And New Line became like a big player. And then the New Line did The Mask, Dumb and Dumber. And they just became this huge company. But it, not for... A Nightmare on Elm Street being successful, because if that movie had not been successful, New Line would have ceased to exist. We wouldn't have gotten a company that was going to back Peter Jackson, who was an unknown filmmaker at that point. By that point, he had done The Frighteners in 96 with uh, Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. They gave Peter Jackson the money to do all three films at the same time. That doesn't happen anymore in yeah. this in this industry. It doesn't happen. So that's always my little fun. Like, if it, not for Freddy Cougar, we're not getting Lord of the Rings. That so is a fun fact. That's an interesting fact. Um, I will openly admit I, I really like Lord of the Rings. I really like The Fellowship of the Ring. Now, when it came out, I was in a weird headspace for some reason. I was just – I went and saw the movie in the theater, and I left like 45 minutes into it. I said, I'm not feeling this. I'm feeling this. like uh, – I'm like, they're at a barbecue lighting off fireworks. Like, wh- when are we going to get to it? Like, what are we – I've gone back and revisited the film and I'm like, oh, this is a masterpiece. Like this, no, the, I, I understand. My God, Return of the King won best picture. I mean, it won best picture. Like it's amazing. So, uh, excellent choice. I will ask you this, Lauren, though, because I'm curious. What did you think of the Hobbit movies? I think they, they dragged it out too long. I don't think it needed to be nine hours <laughs> for a pamphlet of a story. Can I tell you this? Fun fact. Walked out of The Hobbit, too, the first one. <laughs> I'm like, they're literally in this guy's kitchen singing songs. What are we doing? And I had to get out and leave. So that's just... And I have not gone back and revisited those films. I think with the Lord of the Rings movies, Peter Jackson used a really good combination of practical effects along with some good CGI, whereas when you get to The Hobbit films, it's just pure CGI, which I don't, I don't think it worked. So, interesting. All right. What's the fifth movie on your list? So my fifth movie is... Elizabeth Town. I want to talk about this movie. That's very interesting, Lauren. Very interesting. So Elizabeth Town, written and directed by Cameron Crowe. Mm-hmm. Okay, now Cameron Crowe. Let me talk about the track record he had. I mean, he, he wrote for Rolling Stone when he was 15 years old. He went undercover in a high school. 
and wrote a book called Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which they turned into an amazing movie. Say anything? I mean, he's done some good stuff. I mean, Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous. I mean, these aren't just good movies. These are classic pieces of American cinema. Elizabeth Town, I was very excited for it. Orlando Bloom. I mean, it, it takes place in this, you know, Elizabeth Town's in Kentucky. It was not a successful movie. I've seen it. It's excellent. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. But Elizabeth Town represents, I don't want to say the decline of Cameron Crowe, but every movie he's done subsequently has not been very popular, but I think have been very good. So it's very interesting. So I'm sorry, I'm rambling. I like Elizabeth Town. Tell me why you love it. I love Elizabeth Town because there are such basic human emotions that are explored in that movie that I don't think we talk about enough. And the quotes from that movie are golden. So one of my favorites that I'm going to share is um, the character of Claire Colburn, played by Kirsten Dunst, talking to Orlando Bloom. You failed. You think I care about that? I do understand. You want to be really great? Then have the courage to fail big and stick around. Make them wonder why you're still smiling. That spirit of just overcoming adversary and things that don't go right in our lives really, really spoke to me. And it's still, it's one of my favorite movies. Can we explore that quote a little bit more though? Because there's, that's, that really resonated with me. What, what was said there? Like that was, it's okay to fail. It is. I mean, it is okay to fail. I mean, I failed at this podcast a, a number of times. I mean, there was a period where I, I hung up the headphones. I, this isn't going to work. You know, 16 episodes in, I said, I, this, this, nobody's listening to this. And I, there was like a six month period where I just didn't do it. And it, it bothered me so much that I gave up. And then I said, you know, I'm going to do this again. And I'm going to, you know, I've got this idea. I think I can improve upon it. And then it just took off. But there's so much to learn from failure. But I, I don't want to ever hear somebody use failure as an excuse to why, as why they're not doing something anymore. It's, it's, you know, that's, it's very heavy. It's very heavy. And I actually had a conversation with someone about it today. I said, the more you put yourself out there, the more vulnerable you are to, to failures and, you know, criticism. But if you don't take that step forward, you're never going to know. And that's, that's the foundation of everything that, I do. So that movie, again, from a a somewhat younger age, really had an impact on my life that, you know what? It's really not all that bad. And we can make the best out of every day. That's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to invite you back, you know, just to, I want you to come up with a list of 10 more movies because this, this is interesting. This was a really dynamic list of films you put together here. I, I, you didn't expect it, huh? I didn't expect it at all, (laughs) but that's okay. That's what, I mean, you know, and it's interesting because I say you always, you can always learn a lot about somebody by, by the movies that they, they recommend and suggest. And that is really, that's a powerful list right there. But the reasons for each one of the films, I think is, is what speaks about those speaks volumes. So that's awesome. So Lauren, Let's talk just a little bit more about your podcast. Where can people find it? They can find me on my Instagram. It's at Lauren Debick. They can find me on Facebook. You can find the Graceful Confidence podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google, and everywhere else podcasts can be found. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Full disclosure, we've been planning this for uh, for a little while, and then the the schedules. First, it was my schedule, then your schedule, then my schedule. And it's, you know, I'm glad we actually finally got the opportunity to to sit down and actually have this conversation. It's, it's been a lot of fun. 
everything works out the way it's supposed to. Exactly. Exactly. So on that note, uh, if you want to follow this show on Twitter, you can do so at Dana Buckler Show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Dana Buckler. I'm also on Instagram at Real Dana Buckler. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me at the Dana Buckler Show at gmail.com. And uh, Lauren, until next time, I hope you'll come back on the show. Thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. And my name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>